morning. Good morning. This morning, if you would, please turn your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians, and we'll be looking at chapter 4, verses 1 through 3 this morning. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. We'll also be looking at 1 Corinthians 13, and we'll be looking at Colossians chapter 3 as well. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, and the word of God reads as follows. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Holy Father, this morning we come before you. We humble ourselves in your presence, O oh God. You are holy, holy, holy. Lord, we worship you, God. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who lived on our behalf and died on our behalf. We thank you for this grace that we have in Christ. We pray, God, by the help of your spirit, that you would change our hearts, that we would look more and more like Christ with every passing day. And we thank you that you've promised that we will be set apart for you. We ask your help now in Christ's name we pray. Amen. We've been talking about Tom Rainer's book, I Am a Church Member. Uh, again, if you don't have it, I encourage you to get it. It's cheap. Um, it's very affordable, but uh, what you get out of it will be so much more than the price you pay for the book. And, you know, it's been said that books transform our lives not because we remember everything written in the book, but because of sentences. And there are a lot of sentences in this book that could change the future of how many of you view church. And so I would encourage you again to, to get it, to read it, uh, so that you are more informed about what we're covering uh, in, in church membership. In the beginning of chapter 2, this is what Tom Rainer says. He says, When you become a Christian, God expects you to be a part of his church. But when you become a part of his church, he wants you to be a unifying presence there. Let's state that a bit more strongly. He demands that you become a unifying presence there. If you remember last week, we looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we talked about uh, us as Christians, we're called to be functioning church members, functioning church members. That is to say, when we come to church, we don't think, what can the church do to serve me? But rather, we say, what can I do with the gifts that God has given me to serve the local church? This morning, we're going to be looking at the second of six main points that Rainer makes in his book, which is found here in first, uh, excuse me, Ephesians chapter 4. I will be a unifying church member. 
I will be a unifying church member. If you remember, we went through the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians 1, verse 15 and 16, Paul says the following. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers always. This is an amazing statement. Paul is saying, because of the expression of love that you have toward one another, there's a spirit of excitement that I have as I pray for you. Right? Did you know that there are congregations that the pastor prays for his people, but it's not always with an exuberant spirit? You, you believe that? You know, but, but, but praise the Lord for the congregation who, who is so loving one another that the pastor exuberantly brings these prayers, brings them before the throne of grace. This is what Paul is saying here. Because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and the love that you have toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. He's expressing his excitement about praying for the Christians in Ephesus because of the love that they had for one another. If you would turn your pages, a few pages over Ephesians chapter 4, our passage this morning, we see specifically looking at verse 3 this morning. Verse 3, Paul says, Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Or as another passage says, diligently keeping the unity of the spirit with the bond of peace. This idea of being diligent to keep the unity of the spirit is something that we need to be reminded of in our day. What does it mean to be diligent in keeping the unity of the spirit? The idea here is to, to be diligent to keep or to guard the unity of the Spirit. Uh, it is to be diligent or to guard the unity we have been given by the Spirit. Put it in a different way. We've been given this unity from the Spirit of God, and we have been called by Christians to maintain that unity and to keep this unity and to guard this unity. The word here is spadazo, spadazo. And if you hear the word, what do you hear in it? Speed, speedily, do it quickly. So this is the idea in this word, be diligent to keep the unity of the faith or the unity of the spirit. The idea is do this quickly, do your very best, do this eagerly to guard and or to keep the unity of the spirit. So Paul is praying right at the gate in this passage. He's saying that Christians should do the very best they can and as quickly as they can to be an agent of unity in the church of God. So this is what he means if you look at verse 1. Walking in the manner worthy of the calling to which we have been called. We're going to walk in a manner of the calling that we have 
And what does that look like? Verse 2, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Tom Rainer says this in his book. He says, you have a responsibility as a church member. You are to be a source of unity. You are never to be a divisive force. You are to love your fellow church member unconditionally. And while that does not mean you agree with everyone all the time, it does mean you are willing to sacrifice your own preferences to keep the unity in the church. It's a reoccurring theme in the New Testament. You've been bought with a price. You no longer belong to yourself. You're now a slave to Jesus Christ. Do what he's called you to do. So this morning, are you, am I, going to be a part in maintaining unity, the unity of the Spirit here at Grace Fellowship Church? Brothers and sisters, disunity can happen in a blink of an eye. Someone throws a little grenade across the room, boom! Body parts all over the church. That's how quick it happens. Disunity is a cancer. And Paul wants to address this in the church of Ephesus. And I trust this morning by the Spirit of God that the Lord would speak to us through his word concerning the same matter. So what are some potential hindrances to maintaining the unity of the Spirit at our church? This morning I want to give you two barriers. Two barriers to unity. Number one, gossip. And number two, unforgiveness. Paul says we need to diligently, we need to guard and eagerly and speedily maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. What are two barriers to that? Number one, gossip. Number two, unforgiveness. Well, what is gossip? Gossip, as he defines in his book, is idle talk. He goes on to say that some connected to rumors, unproven, personal, or private information about others. Gossip destroys churches. Idle talk. Gossip is one of those words where you ask it to be defined already knowing the definition. Because we're experts, right? We'll address that in a moment. There's a thin line between sharing prayer requests and gossip. Amen? There's a thin line between wanting to get wisdom from a brother or sister concerning another brother and sister and gossip. Idle talk. Rumors unproven personal or private information about others. Gossip destroys churches. So how should we respond to this issue of gossip in our church? Rainer gives two points. The first, we'll look at this. Don't be a source of gossip. 
And this morning, brothers and sisters, may we search our hearts. Don't be a source of gossip. He says, if you have any doubt whether something is gossip or not, don't mention it. Keep your tongue under control. If we're going to maintain a spirit of unity, if we're going to diligently fight to guard what has been given to us, we need to shut our traps sometime. Amen? Amen. Oh, I just want to say it. Don't say it. Don't be a source of gossip. Bring these things before the Lord. Amen. Well, number two, not only are we not to be a source of gossip, but secondly, if someone shares gossip with you, he says, you gently rebuke them. Brother Edwin, did you hear about so-and-so? I don't want to hear it. I'm be honest with you, brother. I don't want to entertain those thoughts about my brother and sister. He says this, you don't have to be harsh in your response to them. Kindly say that you would rather not hear any gossip and you would hope it wouldn't continue to spread. He goes on to say, you can be a unifier in your church with those simple words. If there are just a few more members like you, word will begin to travel. Other church members will know that gossip is not tolerated in your church. And the congregation will be a place of joy and unity. Husbands, in our homes, this is our responsibility given to us by God. We are the bishops, we are the shepherds, we are the pastors of our home. And we are to guard our sheep. I would hope to God that when our kids are old enough to express themselves clearly, if you were to ask them, does mommy and poppy talk about me at the house? Say no, brother. They pray for you. And they ask that God would forgive them for thinking wrongly of you. That's my prayer. And husbands, we are to teach our children this way. And mothers, you are to teach your children this way. And grandparents, you are to be a, a, a picture of Christ in this way. And so we need to gently rebuke brothers and sisters who come with us with idle talk. With rumors, with unproven personal or private information about others because this stuff destroys the unity of the church. So how should we respond toward one another? We see that gossip destroys churches and we see that unforgiveness destroys churches. So how should we respond toward one another? This morning, turn your Bibles quickly to a few, uh, excuse me, Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 3 through 10. Colossians chapter 3, 
verses 3 through 10. Excuse me, 3, 5 through 10. Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through 10. How should we respond toward one another? The first thing we must do, we must put to death that which is not of the Spirit in our lives. If you're going to be a unifier of the church and not a divisive person, we must put the deeds of the flesh to death. So what does Paul say to the church in Colossae? He says, starting in verse 5, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Now, notice he's speaking to Christians here. And he's letting them know that although you were purchased with the price of Christ's blood, there is still remaining sin that dwells within you. And what is that? He says, this is earthly. This is not of God. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. But now, you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, slander. And obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. And so we see Paul says, leave the anger to the old man. Leave the wrath to the old man. Leave the slander and the obscene talk to the old man. And brothers and sisters, if we're going to be agents of unity in the church, we must first recognize that it starts with us. We must watch our lives and our doctrine as individuals. We must make sure that we are, as we sing, before the throne of God. That we hear him speak to us, not through an audible voice, but through the written word of God. And saying, Lord, help me to be who you've called me to be by the help of your spirit. God, this anger, this slander, this obscene talk, this gossip, you hate it. Lord, help me to hate it. <laughs> so we must put to death that which is not of the spirit. Gossip, slander, bitterness, unforgiveness are all relatives of the old man and must be forsaken if we are going to be a church that desires to see unity maintained in the house of God. Gossip, slander, bitterness, unforgiveness, they're all related. Works of the flesh. You see, it's easy to say to ourselves, I'm so upset because of you fill in the blank. And it's right, you may be upset. But brothers and sisters, our hearts are so deceitful that prayers that started off coming out of our lips as a complaint to God turn into gossip and hatred toward our brothers and sisters. 
like mold inside of a building that no one knows about. But in due time, the results will be made evident in the people who are in the building. So how should we respond toward one another? First, we must as individuals put to death that which is not of the spirit. But secondly, our text tells us we must put on Christ. We must walk in the spirit. These are all synonyms in the New Testament. Take off the deeds of the flesh. Put on Christ Jesus. Galatians chapter 5. Walk in the spirit that you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Ephesians 6. Put on the whole armor of God. And so what does he say here? Starting at verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. See, brothers and sisters, gossip and slander and sexual immorality and impurity and passion and evil desires and covetousness is all idolatry because we have one God and we are his chosen vessels. We are beloved. So Paul tells the church, put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if anyone has to complain against one another, forgiving one another. Why do we forgive one another? In light of the gospel. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you, church, must also forgive. And above all, put these on, love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Verse 16 and following, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. What if the church was filled with people like that? The devil's schemes concerning disunity would have no place. Gossip would have no place. And when gossip takes place in our lives against the pastor or the ministry leaders or the congregants, we quickly confess it because that's not of the Lord. Edwin, don't you think that way about your brother or sister? That's the old man and you died and was raised with Christ. This is what Paul, this is the, the psalmist. He talks to his soul. So what's your problem? Why are you cast down? Edwin, what's wrong with you? You have the mind of Christ now. Don't you think that way about your brother and sister? And don't you utter those words out of your mouth. But that's war. Where we think it's okay to think these thoughts, we're behind in the war a few years ago. When we reasoned ourselves into thinking sinful actions are justified, we are already being blinded by the evil one. Where we think it's okay to entertain sin, 
There has already been a fog laid over our eyes and we can't see clearly. We need to repent. We need to ask God to give us his ways. And guess what? He has. He has. If we're going to be a unifying church member, if you're going to be a unifying church member, if I'm going to be a unifying church member, we must be quick to give others forgiveness that we have received in Christ Jesus. Oftentimes, we're angrier with other people for offending us than we are for our own sin in offending God. Let me repeat that. We're angrier at others more than we are at our own sin, and it's offended the greatest God. It's offended the, the holy God. Lord, help us. Is there any offense that can take place at this church that we can't forgive one another for? No, because there was no offense that we have caused against Christ that he did not forgive us for. Tom Rayna goes on to say, each local church is made up of imperfect members and imperfect pastors. Look around for a second. Everybody, look around for a second. Some of you are like, I ain't looking around, what are you going to say? <laughs> Look around. You guys have a lot of things in common. If you called on Christ to save you, you're sons and daughters of God. And the righteousness that you have is not your own, but it belongs to him, and he gave it to us by faith. But also, as you look around, you see sinners you see people who are undeserving of anything from God, yet we receive everything from God. So when we start to think that we've been wronged, may we remember the gospel in light of all the offenses we've committed against him. And that should drive us to maintain the unity, the bond of peace that we have. We are all sinners. I can't tell you, and I appreciate it, I really do, but how many times people have come to me a little bothered by some of the things I say. And I appreciate you coming to me so I can clarify it, but let me remind you, I'm not perfect. Right? I, and let me remind you that you're not perfect. Right? Brothers and sisters, we stumble and we're weak. We're not the best parents. We're not the best church members. We're not the best attendees. But brothers and sisters, we want to be more like Christ. So before we bring to attention everyone else's faults and flaws, may we repent of our own and ask God to help us be unifiers and not dividers in the church. Brothers and sisters, this is rampant 
It's so scary because we can come in here on Sunday morning and sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty with our eye to the screen and the other eye across the room thinking, I can't stand him. It happens all the time. God is patient and merciful and kind and knows that we are weak. We are all sinners, he says. Yes, we are all hypocrites. Church unity is torn apart when members refuse to forgive, when any member is too prideful to grant forgiveness. He goes on to say, unity in the church will not happen if members have unforgiving hearts. Too many times members have anger or hurt or are angry or have been hurt because of something some uh, because of something another member has said or done to them. Some members are angry and hurt at the pastor and staff because of something they said or did or failed to do. I pray, brothers and sisters, that we would cast our cares upon Jesus Christ. I pray that this would be a church that you're able to submit to the God-ordained leadership that the Lord has put in place and that you're able to mutually love one another because God has sovereignly placed you at this church in this season. If we are going to be a unifying church member, we must continually remind ourselves of the gospel. The gospel reminds us that we are able to forgive one another because we have been forgiven an unpayable debt. The gospel reminds us that through the power of the Spirit, we can cover all ungodly actions done against us in love because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. The gospel reminds us that we are undeserving of God's grace. The gospel reminds us that we are sinners who deserved God's righteous wrath, and yet we receive grace and mercy because Christ took on our sin and gave us his righteousness. So when ungodly thoughts and emotions rise up within you because someone offended you at our church, preach the gospel to yourself. Now that we are his, we can and must be people that are quick to forgive others. And when we are offended, we must be agents of unity. I want to be a unifier, brothers and sisters. I know my track record sometimes doesn't prove that. That's my heart's desire. My heart's desire is that we be unified. My heart's desire is that we be a church who long to be like Jesus Christ. Besides false doctrine, nothing will kill a church faster than the cancers of gossip and unforgiveness because both gossip and unforgiveness are the abandonment of biblical love. Gossip and unforgiveness <coughs> abandon biblical love. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. 
This is the passage that was read this morning by Bo. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist in its own way or on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. In Romans it says, the love of God has been shut abroad in your hearts. God, help me to love this person. No, you have the spirit. You can love this person. Choose to love them. We want to get deep. I just can't stand being around them, God. Repent and make it right. Because you spend an eternity with them. This ought to be our heart, brothers and sisters. Now, does that mean we're going to be as close to everyone all the time? No. It's not reality. Does that mean even as your pastor, I'm going to be as close to everyone in the same way as I am with others? That's not a reality. Unless there's a bunch of Edwins, which you don't want, that's not possible. But what it does mean is that there ought to be an aroma, a spirit, a heart's desire for this to be the case across the room. And as it is the case in this room, as we leave from this place and go out to the world, Jesus says the love that you have for one another will be a testimony. Now I'm gonna say this, thought about not saying it, but I'm gonna say it. If you don't long to be this type of person who desires to put the death, uh, to who, let me reread it. If you don't long to be this type of person who desires to put to death the deeds of the flesh and who strives to walk in the spirit, if you do not want to be a unifier, but would rather be a divisive person who refuses to forgive others, then Grace Fellowship Church is not the church for you. Say Edwin, how could you say that? Because the church is for believers. The church is for believers. And anyone who doesn't desire Notice the words I use. As someone who, who, who doesn't long to be this type of person, if they don't desire to put to death the deeds of the flesh, if they don't strive to walk in the spirit of unity, if they don't want to be a unifier, but would rather be a, divide, a person who brings division, and they refuse to forgive, then that person's not a believer. Let's call the pink cat a pink cat. It's not a believer. I'm not saying, brother, when I'm struggling, but God knows my heart. I want to forgive so-and-so. 
I'm talking about the person who says, until the day I die, or until Jesus brings me home, I'm not changing my heart. And they don't want to be like Christ, and they don't want to repent, and they don't hate their sin, and they don't stop repenting or long to stop repenting of that sin. That's a goat, not a sheep. So when we talk about being a church member, brothers and sisters, the first thing we need to understand is that all church members are called to be functioning church members. Let's put our hands to the plow because of what Christ has done on our behalf. But secondly, as Raina outlines in his book, we need to be unifying church members. We need to be people in light of all that we've been forgiven in Christ. We ought to be unifiers in the body of Christ and forgive others who have offended us far less than we've offended God. Well, in closing, Rayner says this at the very end. The second pledge, I am a church member. And as we prepare for the Lord's Supper, brothers and sisters, this is my heart. And I trust that this is yours as well. He says this, I will seek to be a source of unity in my church. I know there are no perfect pastors, staff, or other church members, but neither am I. I will not be a source of gossip or dissension. One of the greatest contributions I can make is to do all I can in God's power to help keep the church in unity for the sake of the gospel. Brothers and sisters, can we make that pledge today? May God help us to do so. Let's close in a word of prayer. And as we prepare to take the Lord's Supper, those who are scheduled to come up uh, for the Lord's Supper, please come up after our last song. Let's go to the Lord's, let's go to the Lord and pray and ask for his help. Holy Father, we, we come before you, God, recognizing that we have all fallen short in this area. God, there have been times in all of our hearts, if we were honest, that we were guilty of idle talk, that we were guilty of gossip, that we were guilty of misrepresenting our brothers and sisters who you died for. Holy Father, we confess our sin before you, God. Lord, please help us not to justify our sin. God, help us to see that you are the injured party. Help us to see that we have offended you more than we have been offended or have offended others. And Lord, we pray, God, that you would bring things to mind, God, secret sin in our own hearts, oh God. We, we pray this, God, but we're afraid, Lord, that you would answer it, but we want you to answer it. And so we pray, God, if there be anything lodged in the crevice of our heart that is hidden in our souls, that in our minds, God, we would lean more toward being dividers instead of unifiers, God. Please, we confess this sin before you now, God. We pray that your people, Lord, would love to be around other brothers and sisters in this church. 
We pray, God, that the weights and the burdens of resentment and bitterness, if they be here, that we would confess these to you and that you would sanctify your people, that you would truly bring a spirit of revival in our own hearts first and then throughout the church. God, do this great work, O oh Lord. The world watches us and sees that we hold bitterness and resentment and gossip about our brothers and sisters. Then why should they come to Christ? But God, they should come to Christ because you are Lord and you command them to come. And yet for many people, unfortunately, we sometimes become stumbling blocks. So forgive us if any of us or all of us or some of us have become stumbling blocks. And God, give us the courage in a loving way to rebuke our brothers and sisters who have someone else's name in an ill manner mentioned on their lips. God, give us boldness. Help us to do this for the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ who is completely and perfectly unified with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. May we model your example, Holy Trinity, as you are completely and perfectly unified. May we strive to be unified by the help of all three persons of the Trinity. And teach us by your word, O oh God, to put to death the deeds of the flesh and to put on Christ Jesus. May we put on the whole armor of God. And Father, as we come before your table this morning, we come first again confessing our sin and again reminding ourselves of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You died for the gossip that is lodged in our hearts and in our minds and in our lips. You took it away. You bore those sins and the penalty of those sins on your body at the cross. Help us to walk in the spirit, God, that we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. We pray you would do this for the sake of your great name, that we would walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Just stay in turn. Those will be on page 224.